0: To the second of our big interviews. Um, We warned you that we'd be back, and after last time's popularity, we are. Um, Rav Bick has very kindly agreed to join us, give us some of his time, and to share some thoughts on the topic of Talmud Torah. Basically, what we're going to do tonight is going to be very similar to what we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, We've had a few questions sent in, I put together a few questions. And we're going to have a discussion about machshava, about Jewish philosophy, but this time centered in on one particular topic, centered in on the idea of talmud Torah. And talmud Torah is something we all do, or we all should do, every day, perhaps all day. Um, yet when we do it very often, we are learning different things included within talmud Torah. We're not learning about what talmud Torah itself is. There might be many questions which we have. What Talmud Torah is, why we should, um, why we should uh, learn it, what's included in Talmud Torah um, that we don't very often discuss, and tonight is the opportunity for that. In short, if you if you would, we are learning tonight uh, the Torah of Talmud Torah. Um, Rav Bik, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's a great privilege for us to have you here today. One small technical point before we start. Um, I've muted everyone just so we don't have a lot of outside noise. But that doesn't mean that you're muted from the session. If um, anyone has a question, feel free to send it to me on the chat, uh, preferably privately, not on the group chat. And then hopefully, as we go through the as we go through the interview, I'll be able to put your questions to a bit. Um Feel free to ask any question, whether or not it's a general question on top of Talmato or it's connected to something which um, Rav hands Um Let's get down straight to business. Rav Bik, Talmud Torah. Why, why do we learn Talmud Torah? Why, why do we learn Torah? Why is there such a focus on Talmud Torah and how does it affect our relationship with our Kaddish It's a
1: good question. Why do we learn Talmud Torah? Why do we learn Torah? Well, obviously, one level is because it's one of the mitzvahs in the the Torah. So you learn because you're chayef to learn. I assume that's not what you meant. If we were learning because we were chayef and only because we were chayef to learn, then at least according to the way the Gemara in the Dharma appears to say, so you're yod, say, with one pasuk in the evening and one pasuk in the morning. The Ran in the Durham claims that the can't passively be true. Of course, the passage of the Gita But the Gavara does say that. At least you're Yeltsai, you're Yeltsai. You're no longer a posheya if you've done one passage, two psalch uh, a day, which is more than saying Kriyachma. Um, so I assume you mean something something deeper, something much more. Why is Talmud Torah so central
2: to the definition of, uh, of Yiddishkeit? So before I end, a little bit of doubt on the legitimacy of the question. It seems obvious to
1: me that there's more than one model for having a kesher to, to a kadash of which one of the models is, is Talmud Torah. And for instance, in a very extreme manner, the Gemara says, that someone who is learning Talmud Torah is patumit tefila. Now the uh, the says we never do that. We don't we don't passk narahalachalach the It only applies to those who are Torah umnato people who are all the time learning. It's like their whole connection with God. But it implies that at least if your whole connection with God is through Torah, you don't need a connection called tefila. The Tfilah, we know how important it is. It's a Hashem. And so these there are these two models being projected by the Gemara. One whose connection to God is through Tvila, through avodah, through, I don't know, speaking to God, religiosity, and one whose connection to God is by learning Torah Sashem. Nobody is purely this, no one today, or I don't know if ever, is purely one or the other. It represents it more or less as a hypothetical uh, possibility. Obadar hazot, Obadar Chazot. But it means, among other things, that to say that the model which Bachorei Yeshiva, almost everybody who's, who's here today has sort of been presented when he comes to yeshiva that that's the only motto I think is not true. It's the motto of the yeshivot. That's what, that's what yeshivot do. Uh, the yeshivot, aside from presenting a possibility to students who are there for a little, for a, little, uh, for a short period of time, also represent an encompassing way of life. Derech Torah, which is being offered as an option to anyone who wanders into the yeshiva for a year, two years, five years, or for longer. I'm speaking now with somebody who um, has not yet gotten out to the rest of the world. I've, I entered yeshiva a couple of years ago, and I'm still there. I have a very long yeshiva career. I assume that someday I will grow up, and I will um, fine-tune my own particular derech in avodas Hashem. Okay, but assuming that you're asking me the yeshiva question, why is Talmud Torah so central that it becomes an entire derech of being connected to God? And so there are a few answers. Rav Chaim who is more or less the, the father of, uh, of, of the modern, well, the father of the yeshivot, the, the father, to a great extent, of modern yeshiva philosophy Rav defines Talmud Torah as in other words, learning Torah is a way to share to connect to, these are the words, to God's mind, to God's thought. Uh, is the content of Machshav Tov is Torah. And if you learn Torah, then you're learning with with God. You're sharing in the thought of God. Um, and more or less, we won't go into the details. Nefesh HaChayim is a long book and a rather complicated book. But Rechayim basically is saying that Talmud Torah is the connection or a connection but a central connection to God because you can't hold God's hand. And there's not much you can know about God for various reasons. He's more or less unknowable in many, many ways. But you can, we have this ability. It was given to us. Torah was given to us. And therefore, we can have a connection with God on an intellectual, existential level of learning and in Yeshivas, including Yeshiva Taratyan, because it's Shivatarjan is a success the successor of Yeshiva tabelazhin. that's a major even if it's unarticulated, that's a major uh, understanding of why you're in Torah. It's like it's like Kosh coming and saying Lachmu Ain Torah. This is the way to partake. You can you're you're, you're eating, you're eating mentally. You're you're uh, you're you're connected to God on the level that you're both you're both learning, you're, 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 you're engaged in understanding God, understanding God, it's not theology, which is a different thing altogether, but understanding God, understanding that which God has created, that which God has presented as being, this is what God, this is the fruit of God, so to speak, of God's mind. That's one reason. And it more or less implies, and this is what I think some people have difficulty with, that learning Torah is a religious experience. And for some people, they don't feel that. Uh, when they learn Torah, they think it's about uh, what, we, what, what the she was learning by B'as for this year. So it's about, let's say, Cheska we learned in the Choref, what you learned in the Choref. It's about people who are lying, stealing, arguing, trying to prove something. It doesn't seem to be within this experience. It doesn't seem to be exalting. It doesn't seem to be uh, spiritually fulfilling. So if Chaim's answer is, it's not, the, it's not the particular topic, it's the nature of the topic amazingly enough, this is what a koshpocha thinks about. He thinks about how to, how to steal, he thinks about how to how to argue, how to prove something. What is the meaning of Kenyan? How does the person uh, engage in the relationships with other people? Koshpocha is dealing with that, and you're dealing with that. And by dealing with it together with God, that's your connection with God. I'm going to mention now, as an aside, it's a very important point in Yiddishkeit, as opposed to many other religions, that our relationship with God not completely, but to a great extent, and it's a deeper relationship, is not when you face God and you look at him, but when we both look in the same direction. Many, many religions or many, many spiritual quests can are, consist of how can I find how can I find a Baruch, or how can I see him? So they go into mysticism, or how can I understand him? Uh, like that religion is about um looking at God. Um, And to a great extent, Yiddishkeit says that the way to have a deep relationship with God is not to try to look at Him, but to look with Him. If you're both engaged in the same thing, if we're both looking at the world in the same way, my mind is thinking Torah, thinking about the world through Torah, then that's a shared experience with God, which to a great extent, Yiddishkeit believes, is deeper than an attempt to relate directly to Him, which is almost guaranteed. Which is almost guaranteed
0: to fail. Okay, so that's that's my first answer. Can How's I? How's that for a first answer? Can I just follow you up on one of the points that you made? You you said that our relationship isn't so much looking at him eye to eye, but looking at the same point, as in traveling in the in the same direction. Maybe why is that so? Why is it more focused on doing? the same thing as a Kaddish Barucho, as opposed to facing a Kaddish Barucho.
2: Well, Well, I,
1: I might not be able to explain this very well. I will I will try. I, I think that, first, I think it's true, and I think Yiddishkeit believes that that's not only true about our relationship with God. So I will give you an example now, which and you'd be justified in saying, wow, the, the, the man's a little bit older than us. His experience might be different. But the truth is, I think I understood this when I was 27, uh, okay? Uh, within human beings, my deepest relationship is with my wife. Let me close the door now so she doesn't hear this. Some things are between me and her, meaning between me and you, they're really between me and her. Um, so when you read romantic literature, you know Hollywood movies, so the, the depth of a relationship with a woman is when you're looking into her eyes and she's looking into yours. Now there's something there, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. But I discovered a long time ago, and I think great, many great thinkers have discovered this, that, it, that they're also, what I said about God is, is also true. The, the depth of a relationship with another human being is sharing with them, not, not conversing with them. Uh, you have a common goal, you have a common endeavor, you're working together. And very often, I assume you've experienced this with people as well, two people sitting, standing next to each other, uh, working on the same carpentry, two people building a building together, barely conscious. You're not directly conscious of the other person next to you, but you're, you're sharing an endeavor. That's a much deeper relationship than trying to look at somebody and saying, oh, what do I know about you? What do we really know about other people? We, we know them externally. We can sense some things about them internally, but, but sharing a life, is, is, a real, is, is a much more real relationship. Our achas kama v'kama v'kama relationship to God, which for us, has taught us that you know very little. How can you understand anything about God? It's very difficult. You look at the God's eyes, you're not going to see anything. You won't be able to see if you'll survive. Moshe Rabbeinu asked to have a religious experience. any night God told him no. It doesn't work that way. You, you, you can't. It's just that the, the gap is, is too great. I suspect the gap between two people is amazingly great. You don't really directly see into the heart, but you understand a great deal when you're walking together. Say it in God, or even, even Noach. you when you walk with God, that's that's a closer relationship. It's a more real relationship, even if you can't intellectualize it or articulate it. And maybe it's not that moving when you don't think about it. Maybe you shouldn't think about it. In other words, it's very moving to take a walk with a young woman in the sunset on the beach. And I had this argument 42 years ago. Very early when I came to yeshiva, my wife was still in America, I came by myself. And I I used to eat in yeshiva every day, including breakfast. And I was eating breakfast with a young man who was dead in the kolel, who's today a rabbi in the yeshiva, Uh, but then he wasn't married. And uh, he was a bit old, so he was actually uh, a little bit, uh, uh, he was too old not to be married. He got married soon afterwards. But I basically told him this theory, not about God, but about uh, but about two people. And I said, when I eat breakfast with my wife, who then was in America, I really missed her. When you eat breakfast with somebody, and
2: she's eating
1: our breakfast, you're eating your breakfast. It's not a romantic, exciting endeavor. There was a, it's a deeper relationship of, being together, and they, then the sun set, then the sunset, then the sunset on the beach. So he, he said, "No, no, that can't be. It. That's because he wasn't married." A few years, not that many years later, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, he told me that I was right. You have to, you have to experience it to know that it's true. So that's it's a kolsha can benosha about God. Now I know that that's not what the great religious literature says. Literature says you should be out there looking, trying to understand God, trying to see Him. Um, but Yiddishka doesn't believe in that. Yiddishka says, Hitalech and so Torah is an intellectual. Hitalech and the advocates of Torah, and surely in Yiddishka there, there, there is a great tradition like that, it's definitely a great deal um, in Chazal, say that learning with God is on the relationship, on, on the, the level of mind, the level of soul, the level of two people, learning with God. Learning Chavusa with God, which is what you do when you learn Torah, uh, is, a, is a deep connection, deeper connection with God than almost anything else you can do. So and
0: I was actually hoping you'd, you'd bring that example, because I remember you giving me the example of, uh, of, of, of a couple seven years did I
1: ago. You that, did I tell you that before you were married or after you were married? Seven years ago, long before I was married. Uh, okay, and you
0: didn't, you didn't know what I was talking about, probably uh no but now i know that it's true so now you can add add me to the list but the the reason why i wanted you also you can also point out that this is
1: basically an advertisement not among other things for learning torah but just an advertisement for getting a good shirach exactly might be more might be more pressing for some of the people in the audience than than learning
0: torah which they're more or less doing anyhow the reason why i want you to bring up this muscle is I can understand it when it comes to a human relationship. You can say quite clearly maybe that this, this looking into the distance, which the couple do together, this project, which the couple do together, they, I don't know, they build a family. You can clearly say what that project is. Do you mind explaining what this joint project we're doing with Hashem of Talmud Torah is? What, what is it that we're doing together? So with Talmud Torah, like, like, like the Rav said, you're working with HaKadosh Baruch Hu but what are we working towards? There are many,
1: many levels, obviously. There's no question in my mind that on the most general level, it's just understanding. In other words, it doesn't require great, on the general level, it doesn't require great levels of lambdas. If a person is trying to understand a halacha, uh, even knowing, you know how A leads to B, then he and God—he's—he's—he's he's, he's training his mind to think like God. He's training his mind to think the way God thinks, and and it's simply—it's—it's it's a shared endeavor of understanding. It's—we uh, both understand the same things. Therefore, that's 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 a, that's a it's a meeting of the minds. Okay, we have this expression, meeting of the minds. You have a meeting of the mind when you learn Torah, but I will immediately add since we all learn in Yeshiva Har and we we always must understand what the highest aspiration of the Shiurim are. So there's a great ideal in Torah Shaba Al Peh that says that you actually create it. In other words, that we're adding to Torah, deeper understanding, Nuchidush and Pilpul, Gemara, the difference between Mishnah and Gemara, which is Lahotsi Dava, Mitoch Dava. If we ask you what we're doing together, the answer is we're creating more Torah together. That's, that's the highest aspiration in in in, yeshivot, in, in, the, in the philosophy of Yeshivot, philosophy, at least, of the literature of yeshivot, of the Geron, of Chaim, was that, and I think it's implicit in Chazal in many, many places, that, that by, by you get to the level of learning where you're not only understanding that which God has said or that which God has thought, but together we're actually increasing Torah. So if you ask me what we're doing, we're, 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 in, we're involved in an infinite building of, of infinite thought. Shporechus' thought is infinite. And Torah that we learn, this is the amazing thing about Torah, that you're not just giving a, a book to master. you mean being given a, an infinite depth, which you can, first of all, understand more and more and more and more every day. But also you add to it more and more. Your own understanding, even your own understanding, not a chidosh that you can write a book about. Let's so say you don't aspire at this point to be writing nuspa, but you still understand it in a manner which, not, which someone else hasn't understood. You know, not just that you've memorized the words, but you have got to understand it. It became clear, and the clarity of Torah is adding to Torah, and, and that means adding to what ultimately we believe is So that you've just you've you've, you've fed me the question that that's the ultimate answer. It's it's actually I gave an example of carpentry. So it, yes, it works like carpentry, we're actually making new things. We're, we're making a new messekid Babamat, making a new Masechet Tamura, which is what I'm learning. Uh, we're making a new understanding of a Pasuk and Chumash. And we're doing it together. Because God provides it, we understand it, we give it back, we argue. We argue, we argue with God and, and and we come to more and more and more, bigger and bigger, bigger vinyan, meom umi umi and that's uh, that's an amazing. That that's more than just saying It's that I am creating Torah And the tziv in a consistent manner says that when it says in the Torah ushmatem it doesn't mean to observe. Uh, that's that's lekayem. He says ushmatem means to to learn it and to make it to produce more. He has proofs, not always convincing, but he has a number of proofs which seem to imply that. Lishmor uh, at komitzvot Hashem is to take the Torah and develop it, and he claims that that's enough. That's he claims that that's what the pasuk says in many many places, especially in Sefer Torah. Uh, of course, the Netziv was a classic
2: Volajan Rosh which is why it fits into what he's into what he believes. Could you
0: you you touch on this? But and and I'm getting a few questions in on the side about this. Can you specify why that predominantly is done through the study of Gemara or basically Halacha rather than the study of Machshava? Because one might think that through one gets closer to Hashem through quite simply talking about Him a lot. The interesting thing about Gomorrah and Halacha is you don't talk about Him a lot. You talk about what He says a lot. So you, so you touched on this in what you said, but do you mind just putting the finger on why is we focus so predominantly on the legal side of the Torah rather than the theological side of the Torah? Exactly. exactly.
2: Exactly. You said it. Your question said your question said the answer better than my answer. What we call what we call machshava, meaning what we call theology, is about God.
1: But most of Torah is not about God, it's about what God is thinking about. In other words, that was the Taina of the Malachim when Moshe Rabbeinu came to get the Torah. And the Malachim said, Why should we give the Torah to to, to Bnei Adam, to, to Yilud Isha? He was made of he who comes of woman, and God said, It's not about you. It's about their lives, it's about Ganavim. it's about the earth, it's about building, it's about in other words. The coming quest in religious thought is to try to understand God. The coming quest in Torah thought is to understand that which God understands. Now, it's true, you have to be Aristotelian. No one's Aristotelian today. It's true that Aristotle thought that God thinks about God. But, but okay, that's off the wall. That That's, that's a little quirk of, of ancient Greek philosophy. We know that God thinks about the Torah. God thinks about what happens if person has a shor, and his shor is no geach another shor. Uh, and you're thinking about the same thing. So as I said, i am repeat it again, only because you're making me do it. To think together with God has more religious value than to think about God. One, is because it really has more religious value, and two, because the second quest is close to being hopeless. Not completely. I, I like theology. I, I, have a, I have a weak spot for it. But but. The grand tradition of theology in in all monotheistic religions, including Yiddishkeit, is that you don't understand a lot. God says to the navi, you don't have the kalim to begin to understand me. So you can be like the Rambam who says you understand nothing. You can be some other tradition that you understand a little bit, begin to understand, but it's also very limited. There's very little you can do it. El You have no means of compassion if we have no means of, of, of categorization. But you can understand. You can really understand. Amazingly enough, Ganav, Geneva, Migo, Chazaka. Those things you can understand. I say amazingly enough because they're God's thoughts. So you shouldn't be able to understand them, but you can because you because you were created with and therefore, what God thinks about the world, you can think about the world. I assume He understands it better than you do. But then I assume I understand it better than you do. So there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to aspire to, uh, but you nonetheless can understand it on the level that you understand it. And that, what can I tell you? It's 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 it's, it's <translating> <translating> <In> Hashem. It's Dalech <translating> lifnei Hashem. Even if you if you're out there making up new then it's Dalech l'fnei tamim. Human perfection is not to look at God; is to is to be in front of God in tikkun olam, in front of love, understanding the things which human beings can understand.
0: So this is a this is a beautiful idea and incredibly empowering, and it takes me to another question which I wanted to ask this evening, which is this empowerment which is given to the human, this elevation which is given to human beings. How do we understand it when it seems to go too far? I'll give you an example. You open a Mishnah. Rabbi Leza says one thing, the Chachom say a second, and Rabbi Gamaliel says a third. So I understand that they're all using their, um, they're all putting forward their understanding of what the Torah says about a certain topic. But how can they all be right? Are they all
2: right? Well, you know, the Gemara says "Elu ve'elu Doesn't say they're all right. right. So what it doesn't mean?
1: say in the Gemara they're all right. It says, um, Personally, I think it means that they're all right. Anything which is logically possible is part of Torah. What does it mean, right? question uh, what do you mean by right? Uh, we're talking about law, we're talking about how one should act. So any good spur is, is a correct answer. It may not be correct, la but it's, but it's correct. But I don't think that's the real focus here. The real focus isn't whether it's correct in the sense of, what does the word correct mean here? Uh, uh, does God approve the answer? The answer is yes. God approves of Abelaz, and he approves of Rabbi Yoshua and he approves of Rabbi Yehuda and uh, In fact, he's Mephalpel, as the Gemara continues there and says, that if you listen into the Rekiah Shal shamayim God says, B'ni Akiva Omer B'ni Omer God quotes the... Uh, God the thing. The reason is because it's understanding, and again, the amazing thing isn't that it's understanding, but that it's human understanding. Human understanding is understanding. You would create a bit selamakim. The name means means intellect. So uh, sometimes you say shtuot. I uh, I've heard many svaris in my life, because uh, I have a tendency to ask questions in Shia and people sometimes answer. And so not every answer. I think not every answer is tava. It has to make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But many things which make sense, I think are wrong. I think are wrong. So that's a machlokas. Um, but but you have this constant refrain in Chazal that says a machlokas is two sides of Torah. And the reason is two points. You ask me whether it's right. So the first point is, I think it's important to understand that we are pluralistic in that sense. That two things can be true. Two opposite things can both be true. I think that's I really... True. They can, if, if, because if it's logical, Torah is about the the limits of logic, and if if the, the 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 opinion, if the understanding is logically consistent with the with the facts and with the basis and with the psukim and with what God said, then they are both true interpretations, and if they're true interpretations, then they have equal legitimacy. This really that that, that point really is held by Chazal. But the truth is, I don't need that point. Because even if you think that in the end, God will paskin. Again, the Gemara says it's not true. The Gemara says that God paskined Rebbe Lezzem and Tano She'achnai, and Chazal paskined against God, knowing they were pasking against God. But they said, let does make a difference. Lo, vashamayemi. So there isn't any right answer. That's what it's, any, any absolutely right answer. That's what that story says. But even if that wouldn't be true, you're still understanding something better when you understand both sides, in other words, I think we know this. When when we when you argue in Shia, so I can I can raise I can ask, what is the svara of the havamina? I know sometimes people are impatient with that. Who cares? The havamina is wrong. Here, you know, it's only a havamina. The Gemara says no. So in that particular sugya, the havamina is wrong. So why do we bother asking what the Svar so of the havamina is? The answer is you understand the entire argument. You understand the conclusion better if you understand the havamina. Uh, and when you try to understand the Havim, you understand it as what's the wrong sfar. You understand what is the correct sfar, and then I'll say what's the other correct sfar, and I'll pass it like the second But you try to understand it as
2: though it were true. Um, when, when you want to explain
1: you have to invest yourself totally in each shita. You want to know, like, why is vashi absolutely correct? You finish that. Why is Tosfos absolutely correct? You finish that. If you want a pass then you have to decide which one is more correct, which one makes more sense, which one do you think is in the end that which we have to do. But you understand the totality of a concept. What is Migu? You understand it. You understand it much more if you understand both competing, competing explanations. And that would be true even if even if one of them was wrong. But understanding why it was why it could have been correct means You understand it, you understand them much better. This is true. not this isn't a deep mystical thought. Um, it seems to be obvious that any Sugya we learn, you understand the Ramban so much better when you understand the Rashbah who's arguing. And you understand the Rashbah because you understand the Ramban. If you're learning Gemara just with Rashi, you know, with the Shita, then you don't understand Rashi either. You sure you don't understand the Gemara. And uh, the, the multiplicity of views enriches them all. I also think, on a somewhat mystical basis, yes, that they're all true. Uh, meaning true that, that it, since it's a legitimate explanation of the basic the basic idea, then it could be true. And if it could be true, then it is true in some sense, because it's logically, it's logically coherent, and God's thought is pure logic. And therefore, if it's logically coherent, then it's part of God's thought. The, the problem of what is, when you say, how could they both be true, you're asking which one is true, la halacha. So you can't do, you can't do opposite halachas. The Rav is famous for having said more than once that you can do opposite halachas. That they're, they're, both sides are true. And therefore, halacha the maisa so we do sometimes one, sometimes the other. You have to somehow live your life in the tension of paradox. Okay, That's a very salvifician idea. It could be that Allah ha you could be more simplistic. Because Allah ha you have to choose. But as the Gemara says, kabay k'bei and then uh, there's this one line in the Gemara that says that It was never rejected as being off the wall. It was merely... Not applicable now because we had to choose. And under different conditions, we'll, we'll, we'll fulfill a different, a different aspect, a different side of the truth. That's what's so amazing about Torah. That it's, that, that it's because it's anything which is logically becomes part of Torah, becomes part of what God is, is talking about. It doesn't correspond. What's the correspondence kind of theory of truth? If I say the wall is white, then it has, that. if it's not white, then I said a lie. But to say that this is a halacha means this is what God considers to be Torah. God considers any good spirit to be part of Torah. He himself is thinking. Both sides of the Shaila. He says, You can say Lib Gabi Yoshua, you can say L Akiva. So when I said Oka when I said Ya Kiva. I'm talking Torah. Ask me to pask in a shaila, that's something else. Paskin a shaila. We'll pask the according to because we have to know what to do. This a big mitzvah, to also do Torah. You know, know why we shouldn't be misalzo in being in being Shoma mitzvahs. But uh but that's not what we learn Torah. That's not the only reason why we learn Torah. We learn Torah to understand the depths of God's thought about the world. Single, faceted understanding is by nature is by definition poor. It's by by definition there's a there's a paucity in understanding something in only one in only one manner. If you understand something in two contradictory manners, then you understand it better, deeper. Both sides you understand deeper, and therefore you come closer to the to the full understanding of what it is. Presumably, the fullest understanding what it is involves even possibilities you haven't even thought about. God is smarter than all of us. Uh, so God has possibilities we haven't even gotten to. But whatever we understand is part of the mosaic of understanding something in the deep man.
0: Where would the boundaries of that be? As in, let's say I open a Gomorrah and I have an interesting idea. Does that automatically become Talmud Torah? I am no Rabbi Akiva. I'm not going to comment on you personally,
1: since I have experience with some of you, far as. Some Svaras are sufficiently off the wall that they don't count as Torah. That's probably true. Uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, um, in the heat of argument, so when someone says a spell and I think it's wrong. So at the time, I will probably say, you know, you're crazy. Uh, and most of the time I'll be wrong because he had a good Svaran. Uh, you know, the Ramban thought the Balamar was simply wrong. The Balamar thought the, that the riff was simply wrong. Um, but that was in the heat of argument. The truth is, we know that uh, one's a good svar. Now, good svar. One of them might be a better svar. Uh, but occasionally, people can say svar, especially if they have ever been trained properly. If they don't have the way of thinking of Torah, they've just been exposed to it very, very quickly. Then they're saying something which is which is literally wrong. It just just was it was illogical. If you say one and one is three, then you're probably you're probably wrong. Uh, I once many 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 years ago, uh, I'm not going you know, to. Hmm, she's like, she's like, I'm never sure whether to include the details. This is a famous statement and therefore it's not Lashon Hara about the person who said it but it might be Hara about the Shiva he said it about. And, and Herschel Shekhtar once said as we all know ayin panim la Torah. There were 70 facets to Torah. But the Gavar doesn't say that there are infinite facets to Torah. It says there were 70. Occasionally you meet the 71st. The 71st is not a facet of Torah. He was referring to a particular shiva in New York which had a derech in Torah which he thought was ivuta Torah. You might be wrong about that as well, uh, but yes, I've heard spurs, which I don't really think of wrong because I think I have a better spur, But I think you just you're just not reading it properly. You don't know how to read. You know it could happen, especially to to uh, people who who either haven't been trained right or just starting out. Uh, but any good svara is a good svara, and you can bring various kind of the kind. But then you can answer them. Why do we do this all the time? You know, like argues with Rashi. When you first begin to learn, you know, Tosla's is always right and Rashi's always wrong. Because Tostas asked on Rashi and said Rashi wrong. So, uh, but then comes along the Shlomo, the Pnei Yoshua's grandfather, uh, the Shut Pnei And he wrote a book called Meginei Shlomo, where he answered every single one of Tosla's discussions on Rashi. At least he tried to. Some of his answers are more persuasive, and some of them are less persuasive. But it was, but he wasn't saying that Rashi is right and Tosas is well. wrong. He's just saying you have to keep the argument going. What a really great sefer from Rabbi which I don't know, it's not popular in Shabbat Halitzon. She might not have seen it. Nachus David, Nachus David was a Talmud of Befchayim No, it wasn't a Rishon. It's not that long ago, two hundred years ago, and he wrote a sefer which consists basically of Rashi and Tosas. He says Rashi sheet is like this. Tostas has to follow on I will answer every kasha that toast has on Rashi, and now I'll ask kashas on Tostas. Then I will answer every kasha that I have on Tostas. and and he, does, and he makes sense of he makes sense of both shittas. And then, unlike any other safe I know, he says, "Okay, but which is the right sheet?" And those, which one do I think in the end is really right? Which am I going to pass on that? Like? And he very often has an usually has an opinion there, uh, having having really ripped the sugya, and both shittas. As far as you can go. He says, okay, I now prefer this one because this makes a little bit more sense. So this one seems to be preferable. But first of all, you commit yourself to understanding each shita completely. Meaning you you fight off every kasha and you succeed. You succeed in the sense that it could be true. You There's some things are more difficult here, some things are more difficult there. We do the best we can. Occasionally someone says something and you know it's, and it's laughable. Okay, it happens. Uh, it happens to everybody once in their life, at least, that you've said something which is ridiculous. Uh, if you can't say something which is ridiculous, you're either working in Ruach Hakodesh, which is not Talmud Torah, or you're so ridiculous you can't say anything that's ridiculous. So we all say once one ridiculous spara a year or a century. Uh, that hopefully you you try to avoid that and try to say spuras which are close to being true or could be true. Mr. We'll Hashem will be true. will like Maybe we'll pass them like you. Um, I, didn't, I didn't say that to you Gavi I said it to the person to your right
0: it's, it's on recording. and I'm sitting in a room by myself so I will uh, I'll keep the recording um, I'm, in, I'm in gallery view so there's somebody to your right <laughs> um, the time's flown so I want to get on to a few other questions um, a completely different completely different um, question very often in the Torah the psukim, the the most obvious example which comes to mind is "Ain where the Torah says one thing, and Chazal immediately interpreted it as being something else. So the Torah says, "Well, okay, it's not such a good translation," but Ain," an eye for an eye, and Chazal straight away say it's a moment. There's a few other cases like this. This is the most, uh, this is the most famous one. And the question which I want to ask is, I can understand why Chazal interpreter it as being Maman in that case, as being the monetary value of the eye. But why does the Torah deliberately use terminology which anyway will be reinterpreted by Chazar?
1: For any example like that, presumably the answer is for a good reason. What in other the- words, it's not it's not sufficient to say that the Peshad appears to be Ain takadain appears to be you should take out his eye, but it's a wrong. That's not the pshat. The real pshat is that you should pay. That's not That's not the way we should understand it. The halachic implication of this pasuk is to pay. And there's a long gemara in the beginning of a chover, which brings, I don't know, six, seven, eight uh, proofs that that's the real intention. It's a fair question. It's an important question to ask. But why is the Torah phrased it this way? And there has to be an answer to that. The Torah is saying you should pay, but it says it in a manner which I'm just... Talking off the top of my of my of my head now, the Torah wants you to, and as an example of what possibly might be the answer here. The Torah wants you to know that morally, when you pay for taking out someone's eye, you haven't really you haven't really paid for it. And therefore, there's a certain aspect in which it would only be just if you if you would pay or you would lose your eye because that would least that would that would even out the score, even out of justice that so would balance out the things. said that's wrong, among other things the Gemara says, because your eye is bigger than his eye and maybe you already have missing an eye and if you'll be blind and he won't be blind. It doesn't actually pay properly. But on the other hand, there's a certain aspect of it which, which would be correct. So Halakha said that's not the Pshat. It's not even the Pshat, it's not the Chazal. Very often that's, is an interesting example because we bring it all the time saying, oh, you see Chazal could change the Pshat. It's rubbish, that's not much ridiculous. It's clearly not the pshat. The Torah, God did not mean you should take out people's eyes. It doesn't make any sense. It says it about a behemoth also. Uh, and not just about people. And, and all the other cash the Gemara has. No, God really meant that you should pay, but he said it in a manner which implies other uh, additional moral uh, things. And that should be said about anything where the simple pshat, the literal pshat, is not the correct pshat, why would God write it in that manner? Because he's conveying extra, yes, you have to explain, you have to look. We can argue about what that means, but you have to look for the additional meaning that's being implied that God calls paying by money. Ayin ayin, he's trying to tell us something. What is he trying to tell us? I think he's trying to tell us that it's only an approximation for, 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 for true payment. It might be, try to tell us something else, but it's definitely true that you have to ask that question every single time uh, in terms of parashanot, not in terms of halacha. But in terms of or pasuk, Um why would the Torah use a phrase which requires me to think deeply, to understand it, when it could have said it more simply? Because the complicated phrase has a certain meaning which you're supposed to be sensitive to. And you have to look for that. That's part of true part of Pashanut is not just saying, oh, the pshad is not A, it's B. It's to say that the implication is B, but it's phrased as A, to tell me something to, to tell me something additional. Each place will have a different, there's no one answer. Each Pasuk will have a particular reason why it's phrased the way it's phrased, and large portions of Torah are phrased in a manner which uh, sometimes is not true, and sometimes it's not true, you don't need Chazam. Uh, the Pasuk says one thing, you realize right away that it's a metaphor, it means something else. So why did the Torah use it a metaphor? It's trying to it's trying to tell you something and you have to figure out what that what that what that means. Why would the Torah appear to tell you A when it really wants to tell you B? Uh, that's part of now we're talking about not Toshab but Toshab It's part of learning Toshba but Bihtav but is understanding what the Pshat is before we realize what the Pshat is, not the final Pshat. Um Rashbam, for instance, does that all the time. The Ramban sometimes doesn't do that. The Ramban sometimes says, you know, Chazal said this is the real pshat. But the Vashpah always says, the Pshuto, it means this, the fi Allah, it means this, and the total understanding is based on the two of them. Because the Torah can convey multiple messages by deliberately using language which has multiple levels of understanding. That's one of the great things about Torah. That's why Chazal say this. Pardase, there are multiple levels of understanding. So there's, there's the pshat, and there's the real pshat. But the, the non real pshat is also pshat, it's part of the pshat. And you should understand what, what God is trying to say there. So there's a in Pshat also, which well, carries There's, a, there's a level of meaning which is being conveyed. I gave an example. I think Ayn Tachatayin is trying to tell you that if you pay somebody off, you know, the word, the phrase, paying someone off, is a phrase that was invented to explain why paying someone off is not really sufficient. You know, I've, I've, I've chopped off this guy's arm, so I give him $100. You don't give them a lot of money. It's the difference between a slave with an arm, a slave without that and all. Today, of course, we'll give you $10 million if you if chuckle someone's arm. But, but I'll pay then, you don't pay that much. Uh, and if you give him $10 million, it's not the same thing. You shouldn't think that you've actually, okay, you finished your cheshbon. It's the best cheshbon we can do. La there's no way to really do it. Ayin Ta'chit Ayin says, if you, if he doesn't have an eye and you still have an eye, then there's something wrong. It's not fair. It's not fair that you can take out someone's eye and it's permanent. God doesn't give him his eye back, and so in the end, the 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 just person has no eye, and the unjust person went to his bank account. He have to be rich, so he can afford it, and laughs all the way all the way to the bank. It's not right. So Ayin tahatayin says that would be more right, but it's not practical, or it's in, it's not right for other reasons. So Allah, you pay, but it says it in the way it says it. You shouldn't think that. You just pay somebody off, and, and the and the books are closed. The books are not really closed because you because you've left a mark which hasn't been erased, which hasn't been compensated for. That's my opinion about Ayin <laughs> Tachanayin. Probably can say other perushim as well, but it, it, you you have to say something. You can't just ignore it. Azal are not aren't not scratching out the words and replacing them. They're adding a an implication to the way the words are phrased, which which needs to be which needs to be understood. Same thing takes place in the in the common. what are you doing when there's a contradiction in the Torah? It says A and it says B. So, the answer will be that one of them is the correct shahat and the other one you have to reinterpret. But why did God do it? The answer is because even though uh, even though he let's say the Mishkan was really uh, was really begun to be built on Aleph Nisan but the other Pasha, which seems to imply that it was finished on Aleph Nisan is trying to tell you something. Uh, So historically, it can't be both. Only one of them is true historically. The one which is historically misleading is trying to tell you that in some sense, you had a finish on the day you started. I don't know, you'll think of something. But all the incorrect psukim or the incorrect interpretations have something to be said, which is why they're written in that way. Because God is trying to convey multiple levels of meaning, which sometimes includes contradictions, sometimes includes misleading language, sometimes includes uh, overly literal language, etc, 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 and that's a great part of interpretation, not always in classical texts, not all classical maashhem engage in it. We do it more today, uh, which is why Dakeya Pashanut is still open in Tawasha as well. we're writing uh, people are still writing really, really good things. One of the things they're really writing is uncovering why the particular word is used if it's not the word that I would have used, but God chose a different word. Which means what I think it means, but he didn't say it the way I wanted to say it because he wants to convey something else as well. There's an extra, extra level. You have to scratch at
2: that to get to get to those words, to get to those meanings.
0: Great, thank you for that. Um, we've only got 10 more minutes, and I want to try to squash in two questions. So uh, I'll ask a question, which uh, I'll ask a question which is a tiny bit controversial. What is considered tamatira? Okay. And what's considered Bittal Torah? And are there any things which fall in between? I heard a couple of rumours that you got yourself in a bit of hot water a few years ago, claiming that certain parts of what people think are Talmud Torah aren't necessarily Talmud Torah. That's one question, one part of the question. The other part of the question is things like maths or science or various things which one might have to do to understand certain parts of the Torah, would that be considered a kim of Talmud Torah
2: also. That's a question. We just had it on the side. There are a few different levels here. The Rambam famously defines that uh learning other
1: sciences is not Torah, but it's a handmaiden of Torah because you need to do it. So it's like it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a it's like learning it's like learning Aramaic learning to understand the language of the Gemara is not, studying Aramaic is not, is not Talmud Torah. No one thinks it's Talmud Torah. But you have to do it. Uh, so, if you ask me, is there a key of mitzvah to learn Aramaic, I think the answer is yes. And the key of mitzvah is the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, even though you weren't engaged in Talmud Torah. Uh, But you, uh, you would do it achanot when you when you build the sukkah, you're not being a mitzvah sukkah, but you're being, you're engaged in the mitzvah of sukkah in some way. So that's Aleph. That's not what you really meant in the question. You're referring to the more exotic uh, uh, opinion as to what, what topics are included in Talmud Um I have a uh, idiosyncratic opinion, which I believe is obviously correct, but everyone else thinks is obviously wrong. So what's the point in my, uh, in my expressing it just to confuse people? But okay, I'll say it anyhow.
0: I'll ask you Uh, a question, if it makes
1: it easier. Is Nach Talmud? I'll say it. It seems to me obvious that Talmud Torah consists of two parts. Torah Shev that which God gave at Sinai, and Torah Shev Barper, which is about about the nature of halacha. And nothing else is Talmud Torah. It might be very, very important, but it doesn't count as Talmud Torah. That's my personal opinion. And the best way I have is from a book,
2: which I happen to have right over here you'll just wait while I go out of screen for one second and this book over here which as you
1: see those of you who can see it you can read the little letters a little bit hard to read are they clear it says Torah Nevi'im Ketuvim and that means that the last two sections are in Torah the first section is Torah Nevi'im is Nevu'ah, and Ketuvim is Ketuvim. That's, that's one of my riots. I think that, you know, Amr has has put this on all, has put this on the books. Otherwise, the book, would it be called Tanakh, would it be called Tatat? Because it would be Torah, Torah, and Torah. And um, Rav Lichensin was shocked to hear that I said this. He threatened to fire me. Um, but then after I discussed with him, I realized we weren't really arguing about it. Rav Lichensin had a very wide opinion. He agreed with me in the definition. He thought that if you let's say when you learn things which help you understand the mitzvah of Emunah, which is the first mitzvah in the namam so that's learning about the mitzvah of Emunah. so that's called that that's called uh i really agree with that um but that's not the same as saying that reading makshava reading about god understanding uh, uh how god punishes uh evil or whether, why god punish why the of avala that's a keim and tamatara. That's a keim and understanding God, which is a different mitzvah. That's my opinion. Most people don't think that way. Most people think that uh, that anything of a religious nature, anything with a uh, with a holy uh, with a holy flavor, is uh, is tamatara. She just point out that the Gemara in Megillah says that fulfilled Megillah, which all the achonim ask, what's the chiddush? They're both Torah. And my answer is, because they're not both Torah, it's a big chiddish that in order to be Mekai in the Mitzvah, me- megillah, you should stop learning Torah because Torah is more important. Uh, but according to the common understanding, it's like saying, uh, you stop learning Brachas. That's not a chiddish. It's just a matter of, uh, you should learn what's more relevant for the for the present moment. You stop learning basra 30 days before Pesach, to learn Pesachim, because Moshe was and you should learn about Pesachim before, before Pesach. Okay, but it's a fair argument and uh, the, the importance of that argument isn't what you think it's not, the importance of that isn't what's Talmud Torah the importance of the argument is that according to what I'm saying there are other important things in life other than Talmud Torah uh, I think the reason why many people today think that everything is Talmud Torah is because they were taught in yeshivas that if it's not Talmud Torah it doesn't count but that I don't agree there's a lot of important things in life which are in Talmud Torah and one of them is despite what I said in the beginning one of them is understanding God He's trying to understand theology, so therefore, Makshav is important. Another thing is understanding other things that God said. God also spoke to the Nevi'im and said, Well, many, many interesting things about how to behave and how to, uh, and, and, and what the future of Yisrael is. So, knowing what is God's plan for you, I don't think it's Torah, but it's interesting, it's important. God wanted us to know it, that's why He told it to the Nevi'im to tell us. So, you should do it. Uh, but I don't think you should make a bracha of a lasak Torah uh, before you do it nor do the people who wrote the siddur, who right after you say birchas torah put in texts because they held that you have to learn Torah immediately after making birchas torah and the text they put there were psukim from the Torah and a Mishnah and a Vaisa but there were no psukim from the Vim there and I think and there's no uh there's no section from the moment of Uchim there, and I think that I think they were right to do that. But you're you have to agree. You have, there's, a, there's a multiplicity of Deo. This argument is an argument in in Torah. Both of those opinions are also Torah. Mine have to be correct, but they're both opinions in, but they're both opinions in Torah. Thank you. We've only got a couple of minutes left, so uh, I'll give you one other extreme example. Well, you have to be careful about phraseology. The Gemara in one place says, Bitula zoi Kiyuma. There's a Kiyam in Talmud Torah in Bitul Torah. What that means is that sometimes you have to know that you have to know when to stop learning Torah because something else needs to be done. And that is Kiyama Torah because the Torah tells you to do it. So the Torah also tells you to stop learning sometimes and to read the Megillah on Purim. And maybe the Torah tells you to stop learning and to think about God sometimes. And to daven. Because despite the Gemara that says that if you're learning Torah, you don't have to daven, but we don't pass in that way. We know that when it comes to time to daven, you stop learning Torah. In fact, you stop learning 10 minutes earlier so that you can be, adat, so that you can really speak to God on a heart-heart level and not be thinking about the surgya while mumbling, uh, mumbling the words. It's also to learn a surgya right before you daven. So, bitula zekiyuma. So, bitula zekiyuma. There are many other things also kiyuma. There are kiyuma Torah, but they're not a kiyum in the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Uh, it's very important to realize, in my opinion, that there are other things in life other than Talmud Torah, which doesn't in any way distract from Talmud Torah, Torah, nor does it say that Talmud Torah shouldn't be the center of our relationship to God. But but not everybody can be can do that all the time, nor should he do it all the time. Maybe Yitzhak Avino was all the time learning Torah. Maybe. But Avraham Avino for sure wasn't. He, when it came time to fight a war, he went to fight a war. When it came time to do Chesed, he did Chesed. And the rest of the time he learned Torah. That's more or less the ideal that most of us follow, or should follow.
0: Keeping the Torah sometimes requires us not to learn the Torah. For sure. Zarech Adam lahakriv esat Torah, al bama Torah. Because zarech <their> Adam liot tzaddik gamur
1: v'chassid gadol k'day lahakriv al mizbach ha-Torah et ha-Torah atzma. That's a quote what? which I know by heart from hearing from Lichtenstein.
2: Its mantra
1: is in uh, Rav Abba Yemel Kaplan. one of the letters he wrote to his wife, printed in the book Beikvot Hayira. "Tzarich Adam liyot tzaddik gamur v'chassid gadol," which can mean one of two things: either you should do it, or it means you have to be a tzaddik in order to do it. About "Tzarich Adam liyot tzaddik gamur v'chassid gadol," uh, tzaddik gadol gamur k'dey la'akriv al haTorah et If you're gonna build, uh, if you're gonna build a yeshiva, then you'll be learning less. And every good rashi yeshiva stops learning Torah so that he can have other people learn Torah, and he engages in whatever, collecting money, making a dinner, um, learning how to use, uh, wasting mm-hmm. time learning how to use uh, how to use Zoom, because otherwise the Torah itself will not be will not be central.
0: One final question and um, because we've 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 run out of time. Um coming up towards Shavuos, One one line which I always found interesting and, uh, and seems to ha- seems to always be of relevance and always be a challenge is is the line which uh which Chazal make a drosha out of from the Psukim described in the Luchus, which is Ein ben oseh No one is as free as or no one is free apart from someone who learns Torah. In 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 one minute, can you sum up what that means to you and what that should mean to us?
2: You notice that the phraseology is
1: not l'cha ben Torah, but oseik bat torah. So it's very possible that the um, it's meant to be understood in a wider sense than uh, merely learning Torah. Uh, the phrase derives from When Moshe Rabbeinu and Pashat Kitisa came down from HaSinai the second time, so he was carrying the Luchot, uh, It's about the Luchos. The Luchos carry within them uh, freedom. So obviously Chazal is trying to say a paradoxical idea because most people think it's the other way around. It's subjugation. Maybe subjugation is a good thing, but 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 Torah is subjugate, you know, subjugates us. I don't think it means only learning Torah. It means it means taking Torah as the model for our lives. And what we do is what the Torah tells us to do. What we think about is what the Torah tells us to think about. In other words, we are pursuing Torah rather than pursuing our own our own our own goals. And to me, what that means is that.
2: The service of God frees man. Uh, We're living in a time, the last
1: 200 years or so, the Western world has been extremely, extremely concerned with self-fulfillment. It was part of the liberation of man, which was a good thing. People in the Middle Ages existed to serve their betters. You had a place in society and your role was to make society work. And the modern world a freed man and said, "You should be a great person." But when it combined with the freedom from God, when it combined with either atheism or secularism, so a person looks into himself and says, "I, I wish to, I wish to be free." And to be free means that no one tells him what to do, but only what I want to do. Halacha or Judaism views that as being subject, being subject in the sense of being. A being Shu'abad to your wants and wishes.
2: The freedom of man is to be like God. And Torah, as I said before, Talmud Torah gives us God's thoughts.
1: You now think like God. But I think it means in in a wider sense. Torah is the method by which man becomes, a man becomes greater than he is. Why is that true? Because you're attaching yourself to God, so yes, it's subjugation. It's charut al It's engraved in stone, but by being engraved in stone from God, amichtav miktav hu. It was God's hand that wrote those letters. That is the only way for man
2: to be free. It's a notion. It's a notion which is very difficult for modern man to understand. That by
1: being dedicated to something outside yourself, you discover yourself, because your true self is to be Your true self to be is to be is to be like God, and you can only find that by attaching yourself to Him. The way that we attach ourselves to God is it's called Torah. It's called Luchot. And it's not by uh, it's not by banging your head against the walls. Not just by davening. It's not by saying, "Oh, I, I I like God. I love God." It's not faith which is the Christian way of attaching yourself to God. The way it attaches yourself to God is to do what he wants, do what he says, think like he thinks, being as much like him, imitating God. That's what Chivut means. That's how you discover your true your true, your true, true self. Your true self is not because God imposed it on you. God created you to be like him, to be like him.
2: That's what I think it means. But that's a topic which requires more than ten minutes maybe twenty maybe an hour
1: we'll be back then. Maybe a couple of years. You have to work on it for a long time to really begin to understand it in a in, in an internal sense in an existential sense how how by subjugating myself to God, I become free chovin ella the question is not because. You have to, by being osekbat constantly trying to understand God, it's not the words of the Torah that you, but the the understanding something else, being committed to something greater than yourself, that's your own greatness. We have many examples of people who want to be great by being committing to themselves, and they become little. Being great is being committed to something which is greater than you, and then you yourself are greater than you. That has to be developed at length. Many great authors, many great people of understanding have developed that. Shalom Beksher Shor Torah. Uh, people with great understanding. But in Torah, it means the, the thing which is greater than myself, which frees me, the only thing that's really greater than me is God, who's infinitely greater than me. If I be committed to the infinite, I'm,
2: I'm on a journey towards the infinite. And that's my true freedom. That's my true self-fulfillment.
0: Well, thank you for that um and unfortunately that that brings us to uh the end of our allotted time um thank you very much once again it was uh illuminating um it was inspiring and i really although everyone here is on mute i really feel that i speak for everyone when i say that uh i really learned a lot in the in the last hour and because of that um and this is Everyone also. Um, I think we'll be back. Bezrat Hashem. We'll have another one of these sessions on another topic, another another topic within the world of Jewish philosophy, within the world of Machshava, um, shortly after Shavuos. Um, but for now that's it for this evening. A very big thank you to you Rav bik. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And like I said, I hope to be back. Everyone who's sent in questions on the side, I, I apologize to you because I I've received quite a lot of questions this evening and uh, I only really touched on uh, on a couple of them. But there'll be more opportunities to send in questions beforehand, to send in questions during these uh, during these interviews. Um, many more opportunities to do that in the future. Um, that's it. Chag semif to everyone. For those who are coming back to the yeshiva, I look forward to seeing you soon. For those who are not, I look forward to seeing you soon in this type of format. And Thank you very much to